it was the noise I heard first of all um, it appeared to be like gunshot wounds I'm not saying that they were and then I just saw a car go out of control and just um, go into uh, pedestrians on the, on the bridge So first I recently confirmed that on numerous occasions the intelligence community incidentally collected information about US citizens involved in the Trump transition Millions of patients can no longer access the healthcare professionals they know and trust. We must repeal Obamacare. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, Wednesday, March 22nd, 2017. Welcome to the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Hey, folks, we have breaking news. Uh, President Trump was wiretapped. Can you believe it? All of a sudden, they're talking about it. Uh, we'll get into that on the program today, but um, I do want to start off with the terror attack that uh, has rocked London today. And, um, well, they're saying now that it uh, they are investigating it as a radical Islamic terror attack. Um, no surprise there was the attack was, um, was by a, a man they're saying was one assailant who um, struck a police officer repeatedly with a knife and ran over pedestrians with a car. Uh, they are reporting, as we're speaking, at 3.30 in the afternoon on Wednesday Eastern Time that uh, they have 20 people injured and about, uh, they say, at least uh, three um, killed. Uh, they were in London. Uh, very scary. Parliament shut down. The whole government is shut down. Uh, President Trump did speak with the Prime Minister of the UK, Theresa May, And I got the readout from the White House, and they are – what President Trump uh, said to Prime Minister May was that uh, we are committing to help the UK in any way we can and that we will hopefully get justice for those affected uh, today. And um, it comes on the anniversary of the Brussels attack, and I remember when that happened because it happened very early in the morning um, uh, here in New York, and – and I was actually on the air on a uh, morning drive talk show on Hofstra's radio station that I was uh, I, I was the executive producer and host of. And so I remember that show um, vividly. I had uh, my friend Kristen Thorne on the program from uh, ABC7 here in New York. And uh, she was in studio that morning and we were talking about this. And it really came down to open borders. Now, this is one year ago when we were talking about this. Um, and it still is a problem there in Europe. This whole attack, and you know, obviously we don't have all the details, and uh, we'll have more tomorrow on the podcast in terms of details of this attack. I don't want to get ahead of the facts that are coming out of uh, officials, but what we do know is that the open border policy that has existed in Europe has led to this, uh, t- these types of terror attacks. It is not, um, it is not the first. Obviously, um, British Security Service uh, M15 has previously estimated that there are 3,000 potentially violent extremists in the UK. 3,000. 
potentially violent extremists there in the UK, according to uh, British Security Service M15. Um, meanwhile, uh, the recent uh, terror attacks committed by vehicle, um, you have back in January an attack on January 8th in Jerusalem. You have the Berlin attack on December 19th, Ohio State on November 28th, and in Nice, France last July. And that is the method by which radical Islamic terrorists are committing these acts. They don't need a gun, so for all those, you know, anti-gun advocates, I ask you, is it really the gun or is it the ideology? Um, and this comes down to they want to take over, they want to go after freedom, and they want to impose Sharia law. And if you don't know what that is, I'll tell you what Sharia law exists in places like Saudi Arabia and Iran. Sharia law enslaves women. They, you cannot leave if you're a, a woman. You cannot leave the house without a male supervision. You cannot drive without a male supervision. You cannot go anywhere without a male. If you commit adultery, you are stoned to death. If you're a homosexual, you're thrown off buildings. And um, Christians and Jews are persecuted under Sharia law. This is by which they live by and what they want to bring to the United States. And I've been saying it. It is nothing, uh, nothing new. It's existed for the last couple of years since ISIS grew out of us pulling out of Iraq too early. And this is all intertwined. I'm going to lay it out for you. Because, you know, these details are still coming in. I don't want to get ahead of anything, but it all comes down to the open borders, and it comes down to the migrant crisis in Europe. So let me explain to you how this all connects. Because, frankly, if you connect the dots on anything, you can, you can draw a pretty factual conclusion even before our intelligence tells us. And that will kind of lead into later with the uh, Devin Nunez coming out today uh, from the House Intelligence Committee saying Trump is right. Uh, get into that in a second. On this, why is this so intertwined, this terror attack? Well, when President Barack Obama pulled out of Iraq too early and didn't take their money source, you know, President Trump has always said, I, I, uh, I've been in favor, as Trump speaking, of taking the oil, taking their money source. Well, ISIS grew out of that, and it created a vacuum for them to grow. Meanwhile, because of the war there, there, that has led to a severe migrant crisis in Europe. Now, in Europe, and the European Union, they have open borders. They don't have checkpoints where they check visas. You don't need a passport to go through there. This was a topic one year ago today when I was on the air talking about the Brussels attack as it was happening. As the bombs were going off, I was on the air talking about this. And the migrant crisis in Europe has now allowed ISIS to infiltrate their refugee populations and their immigration populations without any vetting procedures, with completely open borders allowing them to just walk right, right in. And like I mentioned, 3,000 potentially violent extremists are in the UK because of this. So you have a situation where ISIS can infiltrate there. Their goal is to get to the United States of America. And what did our FBI director, our unesteemed FBI director, Jim Comey, come out and say? What did our director of national intelligence under Barack Obama, James Clapper, come out and say? What did our all of our intelligence officials, CIA director, former CIA director, John Brennan, say? 
that ISIS is working to infiltrate our refugee and immigration populations. But we still don't have a wall. Obviously, that is that is being built under President Trump. We don't have any uh, extreme vetting policies. And, you know, you talk to immigration agents and they all say, listen, we've known about this. Michael Cutler has been on this program, retired uh, immigration and naturalization service officer. And what has he told us? That this has been going on for years. They come in and they they will do anything. They will stop at nothing to infiltrate and to uh, bring their Sharia law here and impose that on us. They don't want to come here to assimilate. And that's a, that's a big problem. So when you're talking about vetting procedures, when you talk about America first, America first means let's lock our doors at night and make sure that they don't come here. Because that's what's going on in Europe is they don't lock their doors. That's why Britain, you have Brexit over the summer, where they leave the EU or vote to leave the EU. All came down to immigration. And so you have a situation where this radical ideology and this radical version of the Muslim faith. I'm not saying all Muslims. I'm saying this radical uh, element where people take the Quran literally and believe it is their duty and do it under the name of Allah. They believe it is their duty to impose Sharia law and to kill anyone who doesn't believe that and to go after and persecute freedom. So what is our responsibility as a country before we have another attack here? And we've already had them. Um, it is a uh, scary and upsetting day and it reminds us of why President Trump was elected. It reminds us of why we need to spend money on the military. You know, we went over the budget last week in detail and on Sunday's show. And we discussed why it is so key for us to increase our military budget. It's crucial. And today just gives you another example of that. For anyone not in favor of upgrading our military, when it is completely depleted, it is held back by a defense sequester. And we have ships and planes grounded because of the policies under the Obama administration. And we have a biggest, the biggest threat than we've ever seen before in probably arguably since World War II in this radical Islamic threat. And these extremists have taken over Europe, have infiltrated there, and we need to do everything we can to stop that. And then you have these politicians who are coming out and saying, well, we cannot institute a travel suspension because it is going to mischaracterize people. Frankly, it should have been expanded. We had a former State Department official on here at the end of last week talking about that maybe this should have been actually expanded to include more countries, and I'd be in favor of that. Then you have Britain yesterday and the United States both banning um, certain devices that could be used to set up bombs in airports. And the Democrats actually said, yeah, we, we do need this. There is intelligence that says that. So when I talk about intelligence yesterday, and I say, listen, when the president knows something, he knows something, and you just have to take that. You have to take his word for it because how the hell do you know? Who are you to say he doesn't have the intelligence? He knows more than anyone in this country. So when it comes to intel and when he knows the things that are going on, who are you to say that he doesn't know when it comes to ISIS or wiretapping? 
And so when you have a, a radical Islamic terrorist attack today, and I can tell you it's radical Islam right away because of the, the, the type of attack that this was, using a car, using a vehicle to ram over people, and a knife attack. And it was one assailant to allegedly this suspect is dead, is what the UK police are reporting today. So you have a situation here that it comes down to common sense policy in securing the United States. I've been, you know, talking about this for more than a year. Trump has been talking about this the entire campaign, and it confirms everything that he has said. So where is the and, and every we always need a terror attack to confirm this, to make people think. Why can't we just prevent them? So the move yesterday to suspend devices that can be used to set up bombs, that was good, a proactive approach. You know, I used the shoe bomber as an example yesterday in how we never took off our shoes before that. But now we're getting ahead of things. Let's use our intelligence without leaking it. Let's use our intelligence to our benefit. Let's not have it be reported. Let's just say this is what we're doing and that and take that for gold and that be what it is. Because there are reasons why our Homeland Security, our president, puts these policies in place. There are reasons why our State Department issues travel warnings. Because they know things that we are privileged to know. Our government exists to protect us. That is its most basic form. You can get into policy debates on healthcare and what is their responsibility. What we know their responsibility certainly is and cannot be debated and is listed in the U.S. Constitution is the right for the government to protect its people. That is their main purpose, is to keep us safe. And a terror attack like this today in London goes to remind us how life is short and how we need to do what we can to defeat the ideology of radical Islam. And now I use guns as an example before to get back on that. When radical Islamists use a car, use a knife, should we ban kitchen knives? Should we ban cars and, and, and take people's rights away from buying a car? Obviously not. So how do you, how do you defeat them? It's not by taking guns away because they'll get it anyway. And the right people use guns. And the armed officers, we have an armed officer killed in London today. And them being attacked in London. And that's, you know, we're not even talking Nice, France now. We're talking about a major city. Uh, New York City, if you're in New York, they're uh, upping security there in Manhattan, as they always do upon these attacks. Frankly, it should be the norm in this day and age. But so how do you defeat the radical ideology? They're not going to come here and assimilate. So keep them out of our country. You know, when you have yesterday, I went pretty ballistic on the fact that a 14-year-old girl was raped by an 18-year-old illegal immigrant and a 17-year-old illegal immigrant who should have never been in our country. Nevertheless, a high school freshman, they didn't speak English, and they're in a classroom with people four years younger than them. And where was the school in justice for this girl? You know, they issued a, a, a statement, this uh, uh, Rockville, Maryland, when they instituted sanctuary city policy, 
they, they put a statement that we need justice for all and inclusion, and we need to allow people to come here. Well, you're letting the wrong people into the school system. And where where are the chaperones? Where Where is the... How, how does a 14-year-old girl be in a school hallway and get dragged into a boy's bathroom and raped? How does that happen? Who Are there people around in the hallway? How does that happen? And so I was outraged over that. I'm still outraged over that story. And that didn't even become a news item until it was brought up at the press briefing yesterday. And Sean Spicer commented on it. That is outrageous. And that girl's life will never be the same, nor her family's. Those people should not have been here. They were criminals, and are criminals. They should be arrested. They should be sent to jail. Now, uh, now we got to pay for their, you know, for their prison sentence. They should be locked up, and they should be deported. Okay. And now, when you have situations where radical Islamists want to come here, and whether it be illegal immigration, whether it be refugees, whether it be radical Islamic terrorists coming here to destroy our freedom, you need to defeat the ideology. You need to do a better job, and I'm not saying I have all the answers here, but we need to do a better job of extreme bending and knowing what's in their heart, and you can't always determine that, which means if there's ever a doubt, they don't come in here. You know, back in the day when immigrants from Ireland and Poland were coming here, there were tests for disease at Ellis Island. There were tests, you know, national security tests as well, and they had documentation. And if they didn't, they weren't let in. So also enough with undocumented immigrants. They're illegal. They have documents. And if they don't, then that needs to be researched. And if the countries aren't providing research, then I'm sorry you can't come in because we cannot take that responsibility. And our schools should be ashamed of themselves, whether it be that high school in Maryland or whether it be college campuses that claim to be sanctuary campuses because it makes us less safe. And if you're walking around a college campus, and that means there could be a criminal on that campus that is being protected and given money to go to that school, more money than American citizens, and they're being allowed to get gain an education, and there could be a criminal there walking right next to you. I'm sorry. It's stupid. And it needs to be fixed. Uh, meanwhile, I talk about intelligence. Well, today... Breaking news, but we all knew it. Anyway, do we really need this report? Um, House Intel Chair Devin Nunez, Republican from California, comes out and says there was collection of surveillance at Trump Tower. So, you know, January 20th, the New York Times reports that there was wiretapping of Trump aides. Then March 4th, Trump, uh, the headline is Trump citing no evidence, says that he was wiretapped. Well, we know that he was, and now the intelligence today shows it. And clearly, there was some sort of intel briefing in on Capitol Hill where now the intelligence committee understands that there was wiretapping. So uh, President Trump tonight is, uh, is saying, or this afternoon, as we're recording this, uh, says he feels somewhat vindicated by uh, Nunez coming out. He knew it all along. And it's pretty obvious when you look at and connect all the dots in the reporting. And we know there was a Pfizer request in June 2016. That was denied. We know that there was a Pfizer request in October. And that was granted to surveil Trump Tower. So we know what exists. 
So now, when you're looking at this surveillance, Devin Nunez comes out today, and let me just play you what he had to say, and this is what's being reported on today. Nothing new. Good morning, everyone. Uh, As uh, promised, I'm going to continue to keep you apprised of new developments. Um, uh, Some significant developments, uh, I think, occurred over the course of the last uh, few days with information that that was brought to my attention. Uh, and I'm going to just sort of read a, uh, a very brief statement, and that's about all I can tell you, uh, but I want to keep you fully informed of what's uh, happening. Uh, at our open hearing on Monday, I encouraged anyone who has information about relative topics, including surveillance on President-elect Trump or his transition team, to come forward and speak to the House Intelligence Committee. I also said that while there was not a physical wiretap of Trump Tower, I was concerned that other surveillance activities were used against President Trump and his associates. So first, I recently confirmed that on numerous occasions, the intelligence community incidentally collected information about U.S. citizens involved in the Trump transition. Details about U.S. persons associated with the incoming administration, details with little or no apparent foreign intelligence value, were widely disseminated in intelligence community reporting. Third, I have confirmed that additional names of Trump transition team members were unmasked. And fourth and finally, I want to be clear, none of this surveillance was related to Russia or the investigation of Russian activities or of the Trump team. The House Intelligence Committee will thoroughly investigate surveillance and its subsequent dissemination to determine a few things here that I want to read off. Who was aware of it? Why it was not disclosed to Congress? Who requested and authorized the additional unmasking? Whether anyone directed the intelligence community to focus on Trump associates? And whether any laws, regulations, or procedures were violated? I've asked the directors of FBI, NSA, and CIA to expeditiously comply with my March 15th letter that you all received a couple weeks ago and to provide a full account of these surveillance activities. I informed Speaker Ryan this morning of this new information, and I will be going to the White House this afternoon to share what I know with the president and his team. Okay, so Devin Nunez, again, the House Intelligence Chairman, Republican of California, who you know originally said we don't uh, we don't have all the facts yet, and then the media jumps and says, "Well, President Trump, uh, you know, was wrong. He was lying." Um, you know, I mean, I was getting tweets yesterday from people who were saying it's a proven lie. Trump never wiretapped. Um, well, I got into a debate on that. I talked about that yesterday here on the podcast, and that wasn't a proven lie because what do we know? The Pfizer request which we shouldn't know because it was leaked, okay, which goes back to the larger issue of intel leaks. Now, this was done in a proper manner, and Devin Nunez giving a declassified briefing to the media. This is an update. This is what we know. Keep them abreast of the situation. Um, Paul Ryan then uh, was briefed on it before uh, the media was, and, you know, Paul Ryan, in an interview, uh, earlier heard him talking with uh, my friend Dana Perino on Fox, and um, Paul Ryan said, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting updates on this, and it seemed like Trump was being monitored. Um, and not only Trump, but also his aides. So 
you know, this just, it, this keeps developing. And what does it do? It proves Trump is right again. And obviously he was. He's the president. He knows what the intelligence is. So we have to stop underestimating him and stop trying to undermine him. Okay. And, you know, we talked about yesterday a story about um, President Obama, okay, wanting to legalize a migrant accused of, um, of impregnating his 15-year-old stepdaughter, and he was smuggling immigrants in here. Was going to be deported twice. Was trying to was uh, it was in immigration court and should have been deported. And Obama was trying to legalize him and gave him Social Security benefits and taxpayer benefits. Imagine, okay. So that story yesterday, and now you know. Okay, obviously Obama wasn't personally tapping Trump's phones. But some surveillance was being conducted, and it was his administration that ordered the Pfizer request. We know this is true, okay, because this has been leaked to us, and the documentation supports it if you connect the dots. So now we find out that Trump was being surveilled. So where are, are there going to be all these apologies now from all the newspapers and all the media sources that said that it was a proven lie, that Comey proved that Trump was lying? No, Comey never even never said that Trump lied. Now, Comey should go because he's become a political figure. But what did Comey say? Comey didn't say Trump lied. He said, we haven't seen the evidence yet. And if he hasn't seen the evidence, that's a damn shame that the FBI doesn't even know what's going on or they just didn't want to tell us. They also can't confirm that they're investigating leaks, okay, which, I mean, they could confirm that Trump and Russia is being looked into, which... Obviously, they are. They're the FBI and they should be investigating, but then they can't confirm they're investigating leaks. So there is a major bureaucratic issue here, okay? And they're surveilling. I mean, we find out that the CIA or the NSA, excuse me, uh, pretty much never stopped its, uh, it, its um, procedures that we found out through Edward Snowden's document dump. So now we find out through WikiLeaks that the CIA is looking through our smart TVs and monitoring regular people where they can at, at the very least, which is pretty alarming. Our intelligence can't even get into an iPhone, but they could, you know, because Apple doesn't allow them, but they could look into our TVs and watch us every second of the day as it is. And then, you know, they're looking into, uh, they end up getting uh, wiretapping, surveillance, whatever you want to call it, on Trump during the transition period. When you have an administration and a bureaucracy that is 97% opposed to President Trump. And they want him to fail. So, it's more evidence here that there was surveillance. There was, you cannot deny that. It is not a proven lie. Okay, it is proven that there was surveillance because we have the documentation of it and you look at your own reporting. Okay, and how dangerous is that, that they're surveilling on a on an opposition party that they're surveilling on the person that they don't want to succeed. And then look at, you know, NBC and MSNBC and their reporting of Trump's taxes that was leaked. Rachel Maddow released and then, oh, well, we find out Trump paid $39 million in taxes. Okay. And he ends up looking better than ever as it is. Um, but still, it's wrong. It's completely wrong. Um, and they released the Access Hollywood tape which should have never been released. So there are people within the government, within the media, that are trying to attack Trump, that are trying to get anything that they can. 
And this just proves it. And this gives more documentation towards that. Because you're being leaked by drips. And I don't know where it's coming from. This is this was done properly today in a, in a uh, briefing to the media that was declassified. But the classified leaking to the media is problematic and it harms our national security. Especially when, you know, North Korea today launching more missiles. And you woke up to that news. And... They could very well be learning from their mistakes and, and harm us here at home. Um, the other news, some small news that I just want to mention, Paul Manafort, um, the former, the second out of three uh, of Trump's campaign managers, what we already knew is that he was involved with um, with some sort of consulting with Russia. Paul Manafort had a, issued a statement as a result of the AP reporting saying that he never did any political um, involvement with Russia. Uh, but we knew this already. It became like such huge news, but it's really nothing nothing that we didn't already know. Um, and as soon as some of this reporting came out that he was involved somehow with Russia, even though it was not the government of Russia, Trump just cut ties with him and said, all right, I can't deal with it. Um, and the White House says that they had no clue that Paul Manafort was involved with the rush and how would they um it was years ago and it was on a government situation but um nothing new uh he's allowed to do it but president trump also cut ties with him and said we're going to go a different route hire kellyanne conway to be the final campaign manager he was a campaign operative he was never going to work for our government anyway um but you know they do everything that they can to make this stupid connection all right as if there's a link between trump and russia when the real facts is that these leaks are actually damaging our national security and putting lives at risk. And you find out that the former administration, who was vehemently opposed against Trump, went out and wiretapped and surveilled. And we know that. That's confirmed even more so today, even though we already knew it. Um, and then this terror attack that we keep watching and the threat of radical Islam on our homeland is greater than ever. So we will keep monitoring that, and we'll talk more about the details of this terror attack as we get it uh, on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, when we come back, uh, health care. It looks like Trump doesn't have the votes. We're going to get into the American Health Care Act. Trump met with women uh, in health care at, uh, at the White House. Plus, uh, Judge Neil Gorsuch uh, continues. It is his third day of Senate confirmation hearing. So all of that when we return on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast. Get engaged. I mean, what are you thinking about, Jerry? Marriage? Family? Oh. They're prisons! <laughs> Man-made prisons! You're doing time! Not that type of engagement. Get engaged with the Neela Caruso Show podcast by subscribing on iTunes and following Neela Caruso on Twitter, Instagram, and his official Facebook page so you don't miss out on the important things in life. The Neela Caruso Show podcast. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. 
Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Neil Crusoe is the man. He's like a fine wine. Every day goes by, I get to appreciate his genius more and more. Stay tuned to the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast. All right, we're back on this Wednesday, March 22nd, um, one year to the day of the Brussels attack that we've been uh, talking about as we have this attack in London that is uh, ongoing, and um, we'll get you the details as that emerges in the next, uh, the, over the next 24 hours, um, and keep getting briefings from the officials there. Um, so on the health care, um, this is going to go to the House tomorrow, a House vote this reconciliation bill that is the American Health Care Act. And, um, well, President Trump uh, has been meeting on Capitol Hill and a few meetings trying to convince lawmakers to vote in favor of it. Um, they can't pack this in, and, you know, the more you listen to the House Speaker and other politicians— they cannot um, pack this or it will be filibustered in the Senate. So, you know, I've been critical of this bill. It has been marked up in terms of uh, Medicaid and uh, what uh, what is in it has been changed since the original bill that I've been so critical of. Um, and President Trump has been deeply involved in the negotiation of it. Um, but the problem is if they were to make some more adjustments to it and made it so it wasn't just a budget reconciliation – it will pass the House with Republican support, but going to the Senate, it could very well be filibustered and stopped in the Senate. So what Paul Ryan said uh, to my friend Dana Perino today on Fox News was that we cannot pack this in more because we know that it won't be uh, – it will be stalled in the Senate and never passed. So it would be a waste of our time. So that's why they did it this way. Still, the communication, the rollout was poor. We've talked about that. Um, 37 Republicans – are saying that they're either a no or they lean no in terms of tomorrow's House votes. Um, 30 of those Republicans are from states that Trump won. And we talked about yesterday, you know, I think President Trump wasn't really joking, although he made it a humorous uh, moment where he called out Mark Meadows of the Freedom Caucus, Republican from North Carolina, and said, I'm going after you if you don't vote for it, if your Freedom Caucus doesn't come through. And, you know, there was some laughter, but I don't think that he was really kidding, Um, and I don't blame him. And President Trump has been using some political capital now in terms of, you know, I won. uh, I won more counties since Reagan, and uh, people that voted Democrat typically voted for me. And health care was a big part of that. A lot of people voted for Trump based on health care, based on their premiums rising and deductibles so high they can't even use their insurance. I mean, one in three U.S. counties um, only have one insurance on the market. So uh, Mark Meadows of the Freedom Caucus, though, says that Trump doesn't have the votes and that there are about 23 Freedom Caucus members alone who are not going to vote for the American Health Care Act tomorrow. Trump can only afford, and really the House, because this is the House bill that President Trump's been negotiating, the American Health Care Act can only lose 21 votes. And right now it seems that there are 23 Republicans on the Freedom Caucus 
who say they will not vote for the bill because it does not reduce costs enough. So that's where we're at. Now, I told you, this will be an 11th hour markup. There will be some sort of change in the 11th hour that may push Republicans to support this in the House. But it cannot go away from reconciliation or it will be filibustered. Now, the other option that I said a couple of weeks ago was, all right, change the bill, make it a real conservative plan, let it be filibustered, and then blame the Democrats. And that could be politically expedient. But at the same time, try to involve them. Try to start robust debate. You're having debate within the party, which is good, but the Democrats want no part of anything Trump does. And they're just going to obstruct anything, anything the Republicans put forth. So you're in a real divided uh, point here, and I think that if they could get this through and if the three-pronged approach truly lowers costs and they add some more stuff to the, to the future legislations to lower prices and increase competition, then you will have a, a plan for the American people, and you may gain votes in 2018 because Democrats that don't support Trump's policies, if you know Trump is succeeding as he has— through 62 days, then you're going to have um, a situation where Democrats that are now uh, in red states that voted for Trump, they're going to be out. Um, President Trump met with women at the White House today. Uh, you have uh, women in healthcare meeting, a panel discussion at the White House. So this is just part of that discussion that um, President Trump had there at the White House earlier on Wednesday. Take a listen. Doctors, nurses, and healthcare professionals here today represent the millions of women, millions and millions, who play a vital and indispensable role in Americans' health care. Unfortunately, Obamacare is making their lives so much more difficult, as we all know, and putting enormous barriers in the way of helping patients who we are going to help. We're going to get this thing done. We're going to get it figured out. It's a tough situation our country has been put in. It's not easy. Women doctors and healthcare leaders have changed the face of healthcare in America, saving and improving countless American lives. In 1965, only 9% of accepted medical school applicants were women. 9%. Last year, nearly 50% of newly accepted applicants were women. Congratulations. Good job. It's a good job. 38% of physicians and surgeons are women, and that number will continue to grow. That's a big victory for our society, big victory for America. I want to also thank all of the women nurses and healthcare aides for their incredible service and dedication to our country. What you do is remarkable. Unfortunately, Obamacare is making it much harder for all of the doctors, nurses, and healthcare professionals, men and women alike, to do their job. As insurers flee Obamacare's broken marketplace, and it is broken, it's broken badly, the insurance companies are fleeing. Millions of patients can no longer access the healthcare professionals they know and trust. That was keep your doctor, keep your plan, didn't work out that way. You don't get your doctor, you don't get your plan. So that is one of the more vital reasons why we must repeal Obamacare. It's one of the reasons why we're here today. So with that, I want to turn it over to Administrator Verma, and uh, we'll start a meeting. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can probably do it and stay for this little while, and then we'll clear out the room. We'll talk. Okay? Go ahead. Right. 
Well, thank you, Mr. President. You. Appreciate it. This gentleman's been very supportive as I started my my position at CMS, and I am very appreciative to be part of this great healthcare team. Thank you. And thanks to all the women that came today. It's great to see so many strong professional women that are on the front lines of healthcare. So thanks again for coming today. You know, Obamacare has just been a broken promise. Instead of meaningful health care, we have higher costs, less choices, and more mandates. Right now, we have the government that's making decisions about our health care, not patients and not doctors. You know, as a mother and as a woman, the most important thing about my health care is being able to pick out the doctor that I feel comfortable with. But unfortunately, with Obamacare, we have less choices. You know, one-third of counties and five states only have one choice of health plan. And so that tells us we are not getting the choices that Americans deserve. And the problem is getting worse. We have even more insurers that are saying that we can leave the marketplace. All right, so that was uh, Seema Verma there at the end with the president. Uh, Verma is a healthcare policy advisor for the Trump administration. Um, so very interesting on uh, the healthcare meeting there and, you know, uh, women in healthcare and that whole discussion. And there are a lot of women at that uh, panel today um, that are very concerned about healthcare, rightfully so, especially with these rising costs. Um, it affects everybody. It isn't just uh, just one gender or the other. Um, and so to listen to that panel, what's interesting, and they had that meeting just the day before the House vote tomorrow. Uh, meanwhile, Judge Neil Gorsuch um, is testifying in front of Congress. Today is uh, day number three. He has four days of, um, of Senate confirmation hearings. So uh, today there's, uh, you know, well, first yesterday, because I didn't get to this, and I wanted to, but, you know, just time constraints. Um, there, you know, a lot of the questions from, uh, from Senator uh, Feinstein um, in uh, California, the Democrat of California, said uh, yesterday was asking about um, uh, the big companies versus the little guy. It was actually not just Feinstein. It was uh, other um, other congressmen as well. They kept asking the same question in just a million different ways. How would you vote? And clearly, as a Supreme Court justice nominee, you cannot say, and nor should any judge, pre um, uh, pre uh, de you know decide a uh, potential case. And so the question was in related to, you know, you don't, uh, you never go against uh, big companies. And basically what they're trying to say is that he only, uh, that he favors big money and big companies. And there was an allegation that was totally baseless and has nothing to do with Gorsuch. And frankly, they should look in their own closets in terms of um, donators that are trying to push for Gorsuch, uh, his nomination. There are, you know, I guess there are political action committees that get set up to um, put out messaging in favor of the Supreme Court justice. That's nothing new. You could, um, you know, you could thank uh, Citizens United. You could thank all these swampy politicians who take all these special interests. So that's nothing new. So let's not get caught up in that. And if you really want to talk about special interests, let's look at your own. Um, but that's that has nothing to do with Gorsuch. He seems like a very honest man who has a spotless record, as we went over on yesterday's podcast. Um, but, you know, there was an accusation, well, you never favored the little guy, and he actually went over details and named specific cases. It was a great moment of these are all the cases that I favored those who were being – who had disadvantages. But what's the assumption that they make is that companies are always wrong. This is what you hear from 
uh, Elizabeth Warren and the progressive wing of the Democratic Party is, well, you know, companies are, are always damaging to people. That's not true. Companies help people, too. They're good in the community. They create jobs. They provide health care. Um, so that is such a, a terrible thing to say to demonize business people, to demonize companies by saying, well, you always favor the big company over the little guy. That's just not true. And frankly, um, you could look at not only Gorsuch's record, but who are you to vilify a company when they do all of this in the community and they create jobs? That's where the jobs are being created. Government doesn't create jobs. They create problems. We know that. Um, there are always unforeseen circumstances when government gets involved in job programs. So that's why President Trump has included companies at the White House to discuss how can we actually create a better economic environment. Um, so, And then today, um, Senator Franken, uh, just hysterical to watch him even try to land a glove on Gorsuch, um, and he uh, started to ask about Brown versus Board of Education and basically trying to make a claim that Gorsuch is a racist based on um, based on no evidence of saying, well, how do you – you can't support Brown versus Board of Ed. And he goes, this is the law. I can't comment either way whether I support the law because I'm a judge. I have to remain fair, and I have to look at every case fairly. So it's just – it always gets uh, gets too convoluted, and we're already – I mean day uh, three at this point. Um, it's out of control. Um, one last uh, kicker story here. Well, apparently, Illinois, President Obama's home state, actually rejected Obama Day. They uh, did not pass a bill that would have designated former President Barack Obama's birthday a state holiday. Uh, according to the Chicago Tribune, uh, Republicans voiced concern over other Illinois presidents, such as Ronald Reagan, not having similar holidays, um, and they noted the economic cost of closing state buildings. They wanted for schools and state offices to close because of Obama's birthday. Give me a break. Um, it's unbelievable. They just want any excuse to have a day off. Just go to work. Stop protesting. Stop being such a pain in the ass and go to work. Um, all right, that wraps up the podcast for today. Um, you know, should we? I mean, we have President's Day. That celebrates all of us. Uh, that wraps up the podcast. We'll um, tomorrow go into more on the uh, terror attack in London as we get more details of the next 24 hours because obviously very early to um, to go over it but what we do know is that it has all the hallmarks of a radical Islamic terror threat and that's what officials are reporting uh, and we went over obviously open borders and all that. Uh, more tomorrow on the terror attack plus healthcare so it goes to the house tomorrow or um, it could be voted on tomorrow at the house and we'll see if it passes. Uh, so all of that and more on the podcast tomorrow. Until then, everybody, um, take care of yourselves. Go make America great again. Do your part. And we'll talk to you on tomorrow's podcast. That will be it for the week. We won't have a podcast Friday unless major break. So God bless you. God bless America. Talk to you tomorrow. The Neil A. Caruso Show podcast is a production of Caruso Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Caruso on social media. And log on to neilacaruso.com to sign up for Caruso's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.